Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, hello, New Beginnings Church family. Welcome to Church Online this weekend. I'm so glad that you can be with us this weekend as we're going to dig into God's Word. If I've never had an opportunity to meet you before, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm the Bayville Campus Pastor here at New Beginnings Church. And again, I just want to welcome you, and I truly believe that God has a powerful message for us today. Amen. And if you're expectant this weekend, type amen in the chat. I believe whenever we come expectant and ready to receive from God, he will speak to us. He will speak to us through his word. Amen. And this weekend, we're going to be looking at something very important. We're going to be looking at an extremely important characteristic of God. And we're going to see how God is a God of restoration. He is a God of restoration. He does restore us. Amen. So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's pray. If you would just join me in prayer before we get started this weekend. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is true, Father. Thank you that your word does not return void, Father. Thank you your word is what's powerful and your word is what changes us, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, that you are a God of restoration, Father. And I pray, Father, for each and every person watching or listening, Lord, that you would restore us this weekend, Father. Whatever areas in our life that we need restoration, Father, you would restore us because that is who you are, Father. So I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, come on, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. So God is a God of restoration and we're going to be digging into his word to see that and to see how he does restore us. And, you know, the word of God is the most powerful thing there is. You know, we should be so grateful. We have the written word of God to lead us and guide us in this life. And God, you know, the way the Bible was written is the Bible really is a, it's a library of books and each book is composed by somebody, an author that was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in writing it. Each author was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Each line in the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And each book normally follows a specific theme. There's some books that you can look at history. There's books that will give you instruction, wisdom. There's prophecy. There's comfort. For example, when we want to know history and we need to know history of maybe how the mankind started, humans started, how God created the earth, right? How he formed us and how the beginning, the beginning of time, we would look at, we could look at Genesis. We could look at Exodus. We could look at Numbers. We could look at the book of Chronicles for history. And then we could look at the book of Acts for history as well. And that's when the New Testament church started. That's in the New Testament. So when we want to look at history, we could look at those books. When we want to know more about Jesus, we can go to the Gospels. We could see in the Gospels Jesus talking to others. We could see him walking this earth. We could see him teaching, healing, doing ministry. So when we want to know more about Jesus, we go to the Gospels. When we want wisdom and instruction, we'll probably go to either Proverbs or the Epistles. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's written by Solomon. And then the Epistles by Paul was written for instruction to the New Testament churches, to the New Testament people. That's us. So when we want instruction, we can look to the Epistles in the New Testament. But in times like these, and in times when we need comfort, a lot of the times we will go to the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is so powerful because the book of Psalms, it's written by a few people, but really one of the main people that wrote the book of Psalms, I wrote a number of them, a lot of them, was David. And David was a real person, just like you and I. I love David. David was called a man after God's own heart. And just like you and I, David made mistakes. He had ups, he had downs, he had highs, he had lows. 
but God called him a man after his own heart. And in the Psalms that David wrote, I love him because he's just so vulnerable for whatever he was going through, whether it's times of joy, whether it was where he needed comfort, he would say that. If he was grieving, he would talk about that. He was just a real person going through stuff, but he had such a good relationship with God. He knew he could always go to God. And I want to look at a Psalm today. And really, when we go through this psalm, many of you, if you've been a Christian for a little bit of time, you've probably heard this psalm. Maybe you're watching this and you're not a Christian yet. You still probably have heard this psalm or seen it posted somewhere. And it's Psalm 23, and it really is one of the most widely publicized and popular psalms there is. People, you'll see people all the time writing it. They'll people, they make, um, not posters, but some posters, I guess, or different things you could put for your house. We, I go in houses, I see Psalm 23 there because it is a powerful Psalm. So I want to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and read it so you could just follow along with me. So David writes this Psalm, Psalm 23, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a powerful psalm, and there's a lot to unpack there. What I want to do now is I actually want to read that psalm over again, but I want to add a few thoughts to it as we go through it. So let's go back to that psalm, starting in verse 1. So the ones that my thoughts, the thoughts here are the ones that are in parentheses here, and the ones in yellow. The Lord is my shepherd. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Every, why? Because everything I need is supplied to me. We know that God is a God of provision. He supplies what we need. You know, thank God we have the New Testament now. And Philippians 4.19 says, my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So because the Lord, sorry, if we could go back, because the Lord is my shepherd, because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. Everything I need is supplied to me. Then verse 2, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He knows exactly how to soothe my cares, worries, and concerns. You know, there is nobody that knows you better than God knows you. And we're actually going to see that in a little bit in the scripture, how he formed you. God knows you better than you know yourself. And you know what? That's not scary. That is comforting. That is comforting. There's a father in heaven that knows you. Then he says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And again, because the Lord is my shepherd, I will fear no evil. We don't need to fear evil. Why? Because we know that the Lord is our shepherd. And then verse five, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You will always protect and defend me and mine. You pr- For you are with me. Oh, sorry. Verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then verse six. Be again. Why? This this is all because, because the Lord is my shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
you know, David, I could just see as he wrote that, that psalm, those, a lot of those points he made was because he knew that God was his shepherd. So he could have confidence that he could fear no evil, that God's goodness, God's mercy will follow, would follow him all the days of his life. And I want to look at one and really focus on one particular verse in Psalm 23, and that is verse 3 talking about the God of restoration. In verse three, it says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So because the Lord is our shepherd, he restores our soul Soul and restore. Well, what does that word, what does that word mean? Well, restore, it's really to bring back former or original state to rebuild, renew and reclaim as good as new. That's the definition of restore. And, you know, we see people restore things naturally, right? I mean, I know people that love to restore cars. People will buy old cars and then spend a lot of time. They'll put in a lot of time. They'll put in a lot of money to restore that car to get back to being in the original as it was, to run like how it was, to look how it was. That's a natural way of restoration. But God, he restores our soul. Amen. And our soul, see, we are three-part beings, we are spirit, soul, and body. And when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is perfected. Your spirit is perfected. Your spirit becomes alive unto God. And then we have our body, our physical bodies that we live in here, right? So we should be taking care of those bodies, doing the best that we can to take care of them. We know as we grow older, they are going to, you know, weaken a little bit maybe. Praise God, though, we will always have strength in whatever age we're in and we take care of ourselves and God will give us the strength. But we do have natural bodies. But then it's our soul, that, that other part that we are. And our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. And those areas are extremely vital to living a life of stability, peace, and purpose. And it says in verse 3 that God restores our soul. He restores our soul because when our soul is damaged, when our soul is damaged, it affects almost everything in our life. It affects our relationships. It affects our decision-making. It affects our ability to perceive others accurately. You know, I know personally that emotionally, when there's stuff going on with me and I'm going through things, I might not make the most clear decisions because I might make them based on emotion. I might Somebody might say something to me and I may take offense to it and they didn't even mean what they said to me they didn't even mean it how I perceived it, but I, just because of what I was going through, I perceived it a certain way and I took offense and it would hurt me. But we need to go to God because he restores us. And, and you know, Proverbs 4.23, you want to talk about going back to Proverbs is a book about wisdom. And Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Why? Because for everything you do flows from it. For everything that you do flows from it. And nothing, I believe everybody watching this right now, we want to have comfort. We want to have hope for the future. Amen? And nothing brings more comfort and hope for the future than to know that God, he is, our God is a God of restoration. He is the God of restoration. And just that alone, just knowing that alone should hopefully, I pray, would bring you hope and and confidence about your future after this message, because no matter where you are right now, no matter what you're going through, what state you're in, God wants to restore you. He wants to make you whole again. He cares for you. Amen. And, you know, today, in a lot of ways, and I'm guilty of it myself, we live in a throwaway world. What do I mean by that? Well, if something's broken, just throw it out, buy a new one. 
um, mostly because some items aren't even built to last. You know, like uh, my phone, my iPhone, this is this the second time that this has happened. So now with phones, I mean, you might know it. Everybody kind of has a phone now. They're on like this lease field like program. You buy it, you pay it off throughout two years. And I, I'm, every time I get the phone and then when the two years is up and I finally pay the phone off, it seems like within a matter of two or three months, the phone just stops working. And what do I do? I have to go buy another one. And a lot of the times it stops working to the point that I can't even use it anymore. So I just have to throw it away and I buy a new one. But you know, that's about phone. But if you think about it, we do it. We replace appliances. We replace things once we see any type of imperfection. This is the kind of world we live in. You know, I could just joke about if I had to, I wouldn't want to say she might be watching and she might not. But my wife and I, we, we go at it all the time sometimes because she'll see an imperfection in something that she wants to replace it. And I'll say, no, we're keeping it. Let's not spend the money. And then vice versa. I'll see something that maybe we just bought or is not old and I'll see an imperfection and I'll say, Hey, can we get a new one? And she's saying, no, it's only two years old. We're keeping it. We do live in a throwaway world where that's our first mindset is something is broken, get rid of it. But thank God that he never sees us that way. God never sees us that way. He doesn't say, oh, that person is broken. No, uh, let's give, no. We, each and every person on this world is valuable in the eyes of God. You are valuable in the eyes of God. And I want to go to Psalm 139 right now, verses 13 to 18. And it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully, wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Then verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. That is so powerful. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You are still with me, you know? It says right there, God, how, it says, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. God sees you as so valuable. And really to take, you know, uh, this verse, it's funny because it, it came alive to me even recently. And it might sound funny, but it says, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. You know, recently I went to the few days ago, I went to the beach and I love the beach. I love living by the shore. I love going in the water. I love the beach. There's one thing though, that I don't love so much about the beach. And that is sand. I'm just not a big fan of sand because you, you, when you leave, it's everywhere. It's, it's on you. You bring it in the house. And now having a daughter, my daughter, Ever, she's in almost be two. She's just running the whole time in the sand. She's falling in the sand. She's got sand on her back. She's got sand on her feet. She's got it all over her arms and her diapers everywhere. And just the other day, I was bringing her home, dusting off the sand. And there was so much, these little grains. So look at that scripture. It says, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. That is God, how valuable to, you are to him, how precious his thoughts are about you. And we've been created in such a way. God is the master craftsman. We know this. He is the master craftsman. He created us as priceless. It even says in, in Ephesians 2.10, we are his masterpiece. That is how he sees you. And we are so valuable, talking about restoration, that God, he would not throw us away. That God 
He thought we were worth so much. We were worth so much that he sent Jesus to repair and restore us rather than throw us away. When sin came into the world, when we became sinners, when Adam and Eve sinned and sin came into the world, God didn't say, throw out the human race, get rid of them. He said, he, right then and there, he created a plan for he knew a plan. He had a plan to restore us to be in right relationship with him. That is a God of restoration. And you think about it in all of us, as we live in this earth, we are going to be, need to be restored in some way. There's many of us, maybe you've had a broken relationship, a betrayal that takes place, and the heartache is so bad that you could easily be thinking you will never get over it. Maybe there's an accident takes place that scars us for life. We lose a loved one, and it affects us so much. It affects us for life, whatever it may be. We all go through things while we're here living on this world that affects us and that we need restoration. And God is constantly working with us and in us to bring that restoration. God loves you. He wants to restore you. And it all starts and ends with Jesus. Psalm 138 verse 8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. The New Living Translation now, the New Living Translation says, The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Why? For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. You made me. You know, we see God's desire to restore mankind most in the life of Jesus, in the Gospels, in the life of Jesus, because Jesus is God in the flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That's who Jesus is. And I want to look at an instance in the Gospel. <laughs> where Jesus brings restoration. And it's in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 15. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. So Jesus is with his disciples, and he sees there's a funeral procession going on here. And it said, The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. So, I mean, Jesus is seeing this. There is a widow, which means her husband has already passed away. And now her son has died. And it said, when the Lord saw her, his heart, when Jesus saw her, his heart, it overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. You know, going through this story here, Luke, especially in the beginning, he paints a, great, a, a really grave picture of what happened. He were told by Luke that the dead boy was the only son of his mother. And again, that she already lost her husband. She was a widow. And, and now we can't even pretend to know what this woman was going through in this situation with the loss of her son. And, and on top of that, again, she didn't even have a husband to grieve with her in this. So this was a tragedy to this woman and for many reasons. First, most importantly, it's the loss of her son. And also, because her husband passed away, the family line, it ended with her son the family line. And there's going to be no more males now to carry on that family name. And maybe for some of us, this might not seem like a big deal in our culture, but back then in the ancient Jewish person, they were known by their tribe, by their clan, by their family, and then by name. So this was a huge deal. 
This was a huge deal. And she has no one too now. She has no one to care for her, possibly. Her husband's gone. Her son's gone now. She has no one to care for her. She's going to have to be relying on the community's support if there was any there to even offer her. And notice, though, how quickly Jesus saw the situation happen. He saw the situation. He pieced it together. And what did he do? He didn't just stand there. He took action. He's seen something that we don't. And Jesus realized that the woman was a widow, had no other family members, and his compassion, his compassion moved him to restore her son to her. Now, I know something we all should be doing, and myself included, we need to be praying daily that God, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us, would make us sensitive to the needs of the people just as Jesus was. Because maybe not to that example that we just read, but there are so many times in our lives, and not just in our lives, in our daily lives, in our every day, that there are people that come across our path that have needs, that need restoration, and we need to be sensitive. So if there's one challenge I want you to take this from this message is to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in you, to know that we know, we know there's a God of restoration, and we need to let others know about that God. And there are people that cross our path every day that sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too. We're so, so caught up just in our, what's going on in our lives or the stress of the day that we are unaware of the needs that are in front of us. God brings people across our path to speak life to. Maybe it's somebody he puts on your heart. Well, if he puts on your heart, don't just brush it away. Send them a text. Give them a phone call. See how they're doing. See how God wants to use you to help bring restoration in their life. Amen. Because the same compassion that we read about in that story in Luke, the same compassion that operated in Jesus way back then is still moving him to restore your life today as well. I want you to know that. That same compassion, if you need restoration, that same compassion that we just read about that moved Jesus to restore this son to her woman is the same compassion Jesus has right now to restore you in the areas that you need restoration because he is a God of restoration. So if you are feeling overwhelmed in your soul, if your emotions are numb, your nerves are, are feel like they're afraid, you know, and I've been there. I suffered with fear and anxiety for so long too. Maybe you can relate to this, that you, you kind of have this just feeling about you. You just feel so nervous. You literally feel like you almost have like electricity running through your bodies because you're so, you're so anxious. God wants to restore you. He wants to bring peace to your soul because he is the God of peace and the God of restoration. And Jesus promises us rest for our souls. Only in him, only in Jesus, our burdens can be lifted. Only in him can we find the help and the strength that we need in the greatest times of need, because he is our peace. He is our peace. You know, something we've all probably learned in one way or another is true peace cannot be found in another human being in our lives or in material wealth or in possessions. That can bring maybe a little bit of peace for a little bit of time, but it cannot bring true peace. The only true peace there is, is found in the person of Jesus. I want to read Matthew 8, 11 to 28 to 30. And Jesus is talking here in the gospels and he says this, and he's speaking this just as it is written then, he is speaking this to you today. Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Jesus wants to restore you. But we need to do the part two because Jesus says there, come to me. We need to go to him. So two things. We're going to pray a prayer, but if you need restoration, we're going to pray a prayer. Know that Jesus wants you to come to him. He's there with open arms. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And also know that God has restored us all, right? I mean, he's, if you've received Jesus in your life, you want to talk about restoration. We went from death to life. Again, going back to it, when sin came into the world, when, when, when Adam sinned, God, he didn't just throw us away. No, he had a plan to restore us to be in right relationship with him. And we here on earth are those messengers to bring that message of restoration to others who don't know Jesus yet, to let them know that their sins have been forgiven, to let them know that there is a God that loves him, that he wants to have restore them to be in right relationship with him. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want us all to pray this together, everybody watching, everybody listening. And we're going to ask God this weekend, we're going to ask him to restore us as we surrender to him. We're going to let his peace fill us. We're going to let his comfort fill us. We're going to let his joy fill us because that is his desire for our lives. Amen. So why don't you just pray this with me? Father, you know my deepest worries and hurts and the areas where I desperately long for healing and restoration. Today, I fully surrender those to you, and I ask you to help me have a joyous, expectant faith as I wait for you to move. I commit to trust you, your ways, your plans, and your timing from this day forward. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. I'm truly believing right now that God is restoring you, that his power is working in you, whatever area that you need restoration in. Again, know that surrender that to him. We just surrendered that. When we surrender something, don't pick it up. Let God restore you. You might not feel it right now, but that's what faith is. We reach out our faith. We ask God to restore us and know that he right now is filling you with his joy, with his peace, with his comfort. He loves you. He is there with open arms. Amen? Well, amen. And let's go bring that message of restoration to the spheres of our influence this week to let them know that there is a God again that loves them so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, for them. Well, God bless you. We love you guys. And remember, God is a God of restoration. Amen? Well, God bless you, and we will see you next weekend. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.